I'm not going to lie to you. I was not expecting to be recording a Locked On Kings podcast tonight after a Kings loss in Utah, especially considering who was out for the Jazz. But look, this is the NBA. Anybody can win on any given night. I'm going to share with you the only thing that matters to the Sacramento Kings after this loss right here on Locked On Kings. You are Locked On Kings, your daily Sacramento Kings podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it is that time. Time for another episode of Locked On Kings. Hello and welcome into Locked On Kings, your podcast hub for Sacramento Kings coverage all regular season long and soon to be all playoffs long. Today presented by Prize Picks. First time users can receive 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code locked on. My name is Matt George. I have the privilege of being your host here. I'm a Sacramento sports reporter and producer for ABC 10 News. Kings lose to the Jazz 128 to 120. They lose to a Jazz team missing arguably their three best players, definitely one of their best, if not the best, in Lowry Markinen, but also Clarkson and Sexton, both not playing in this game. When we saw the starting lineup, the Jazz were rolling out there. My tweet was simply put, don't underestimate them, but show no mercy, right? Everybody and their mother watching this game should have expected the Sacramento Kings to win. I guarantee you every fan, or the majority of fans certainly, but in reality, every single fan inside Vivint Arena tonight watching the Utah Jazz play went into there or should have gone in there expecting their team to lose to the Sacramento Kings, especially when they saw what their starting lineup was and which players were out. That being said, the Utah Jazz were ready to go tonight, and the Sacramento Kings simply weren't. Again, I'm going to share with you the only one thing that really truly matters about this game for the Sacramento Kings. There's really only one thing, and it's not the officiating. It's not the big comeback. It's not De'Aaron Fox's 37 points. It's not Keegan Murray's sharpshooting, him catching fire from three-point range, especially in the third quarter. It's not the road win streak, and it's not even where the Kings are at in the standings after tonight's game. The one thing that matters from this game for the Sacramento Kings is falling down by 25 points, how they got to that spot, and how they can prevent it for the remainder of this season. 25 points down to the Utah Jazz is unacceptable. 25 points down to any team is unacceptable especially with the way the Sacramento Kings were playing. I know it feels a little bit worse or it's a little more frustrating with who the the Jazz were missing tonight. But in reality, if the Jazz were at full strength and the Jazz have played the Kings tough all season long, if the Jazz were at full strength, it still would have been bad going down 25. Hell, pick the best team in the NBA. Pick the Milwaukee Bucks. Pick the Boston Celtics tomorrow night. Pick the Denver Nuggets. Whoever you want as the best team in the NBA. The Kings going down by 25 to any team on the road or at home in the first half is simply unacceptable. And to me, it's not that the Kings went down 25. It's not just that. It's not that the Kings came out flat. And look, I'm I'm, I'm fairly confident that the Sacramento Kings did not walk into Vivint Arena with this big head and this ego and say, this isn't going to be any kind of problem tonight. Even if fans felt that way, looking at the Utah Jazz roster and looking at the Jazz starting lineup, even if fans felt like, oh, this is going to be a piece of cake for the Kings, I guarantee the Sacramento Kings didn't approach tonight's game like that. They're too good. They have too many experienced players. They have too good of a coaching staff with head coach Mike Brown at the helm. Like, there's no way the Kings simply walked in and underestimated their opponent. That's not what happened. The Jazz walked in ready to play. The Jazz exploited the Sacramento Kings defense early on, which every team in the NBA seemingly has done that this season. And simply, the Kings offense 
was not ready to go. That's the most concerning part. The Kings scored just three points from the 5-minute, five uh, 5-minute, 28-second mark in the first quarter to the 9-minute and 5-second mark of the second quarter. Just three points over an 8-minute span. And over those 8 minutes, it was not that the Sacramento Kings were just missing shots. And I hope people don't just brush it into the rug and say, oh, this is an anomaly for the Sacramento Kings. You can just throw this into a paper ball and throw it over, or wad this into a paper ball, throw it over your shoulder and forget about it because the Kings offense is not normally going to be like this. You're right. The Kings offense normally is not going to score three points in an eight-minute stretch. But the Kings weren't just missing shots. The Kings weren't getting good shots. They were settling for isolation three-pointers, just chucking up shots from the perimeter. It was multiple players, not just one or two guys. The ball movement was not there, and ball movement has been one of the biggest strengths of this Kings team. That's why so many different Kings players finish in double figures. That's why it's so difficult to stop the Sacramento Kings. It's not just De'Aaron Fox doing his thing. It's not just DeMontis Sabonis doing this, his thing, although, of course, they're catalysts to the Kings' offensive success. It's, hey, what's Kevin Herter going to do in the corner? Which I know Kevin Herter didn't play last, uh, tonight. It's, what's Malik Monk going to do? What's Keegan Murray going to do? What's Harrison Barnes going to do? Hell, what's Trey Lyles going to do off of the bench? What's Terrence Davis going to do if he gets playing time? The Kings have so many weapons that score because they all get touches because the ball moves. Well, the ball wasn't moving in the first quarter. It was not moving well. The Kings came out flat. They came out slow. And they came out unprepared to run their offense. It's not that they just weren't prepared to play the Utah Jazz. They weren't prepared to play a basketball game. They weren't prepared to play their basketball game. That's what's most concerning. Now, I do feel that this is not cause for panic, right? The Kings have responded time and time and time again this season when they've needed to. And we're going to talk about tomorrow night's game against the Boston Celtics and how the Kings need to respond in that game later on in this podcast. So I'm not freaking out that all of a sudden, oh my God, the Kings Kings offense is in shambles because they were down 25 and they came back and had a chance to win this game. And I I, I, I think I speak for everybody or the majority of Kings fans when I say, we expected the Kings to make some kind of comeback, right? We didn't expect the Kings to just roll over and die and lose this game by 40 on the road. Like, we knew the Kings were going to make a game of it at some point. That's just basketball. That's just a game of runs, right? But we can still be concerned about the way the Sacramento Kings looked and how unrecognizable they were offensively early on. And I want to give credit to the Utah Jazz, right? Here's a roster of players, young players, who are, one, taking advantage of the opportunity and making the most of the opportunity, and number two, they still have a ton to play for. The Utah Jazz are very much in the thick of this, like, 16 race or something like that in the the play-in picture. Really from, like, the 6th seed through the 12th seed or something like that. I think it's just difference of two games or so. Like, the Jazz are still very much in it. So even with three important players missing, the players who did play for Utah recognize that tonight's game could be the difference of them being out of the plan or having home court advantage in the plan. That's how close everything is. So while there's the postseason expectation, there's also, hey, this is my opportunity to get to get starting caliber minutes. I'm going to take advantage of that opportunity. And so many different players with the Utah Jazz came out ready to take advantage of that. I give them a ton of credit. I give the Utah Jazz organization a ton of credit for what they're doing, what they're building. I really like what Utah is doing because when everybody saw them trade Donovan Mitchell and everybody saw them trade uh, Rudy Gobert, they thought they've blown this up. They're in complete rebuilding mode. This team is going to suck. Well, they're not nearly as good as they showed early on, right, when they were one of the best teams in the NBA at the very beginning of the season. But they're not a bad basketball team. And I don't think, again, the Sacramento Kings came into tonight's game expecting them to be a bad basketball team, even 
with those three guys out. I'm not concerned about how the Kings played against the Utah Jazz. I'm concerned about how the Kings played their game, how the Kings ran their offense. They just did not look like themselves. Again, not overreacting to one game, not saying this is suddenly who the Kings are and, and they, they, they've like the Jekyll and Hyde thing. They're now in the hide and they, they can't figure it out and they're not going to climb their way out. This team is completely unrecognizable and all the fun is over. Suddenly this Kings team is stoppable. Well, if they're stoppable, it's because they're stopping themselves like they did in tonight's game. The Kings simply didn't look ready to play their game. They didn't. Ball movement wasn't there. Way too many ISO jumpers. Way too many just chucked up three-pointers. And then, of course, we know defensively this team is not good. I mean, they gave up 19 points in the first four minutes. But they do that to a lot of teams. So that's not, that's not the anomaly in tonight's game. That's not the, what stands out. It's how the Kings played offensively. Now, of course, they were able to turn that around. We knew the Kings were going to make a game of it. Like, be honest with me. Did you really feel at any point in this game, oh, this is out of reach? I didn't. And that's the confidence that this Kings team has instilled in me. But thank God for De'Aaron Fox in tonight's game because he was the only reason why the Sacramento Kings even had a chance to come back in this game because while everybody else was trying to figure out how to shoot the basketball, how to wake up and get back into their offense and getting ready for the game, essentially, De'Aaron Fox was out there just trying to keep it as close as possible. De'Aaron Fox had 37 points, 6 of 9 from 3-point range, 7 assists, 1 steal. Fourth quarter, Fox showed up early second quarter, maybe even late first quarter. He just tried to give the Kings a little bit of life until Keegan Murray woke up and Harrison Barnes woke up a little bit and the rest of the team started to uh, uh, play their normal game. Malik Monk also got involved a little bit too. But it was De'Aaron who began it all. And on one hand, it's very nice to see, right? Here's the King star. Lean heavily on your star. De'Aaron, this team is not playing like themselves. Get them back on track. Carry them through. We know Fox is capable of doing that. He shows us again right there. Plus the fact that De'Aaron Fox made six threes in tonight's game. What do you do? Like if De'Aaron Fox is hitting six threes, which of course we're not expecting him to hit six threes a night, but if De'Aaron Fox is going to be knocking down a majority of his three-pointers like he's been doing as of late, what do you do? I don't envy anybody who has to try and stop him because you have to create enough separation to give yourself the time necessary to try and cut off De'Aaron Fox if he uses his quick first step and attacks the rim. Or if you play up tight and deny that three-point shot, he's just going to blow right by you. What do you do? We're talking virtually unguardable, and De'Aaron Fox looked like it for the majority of tonight's game, and the Kings needed that from him. Big leads really aren't that big of a deal, or rather big deficits really aren't that big of a deal for the Sacramento Kings. We know that they're capable of coming back. 25 points, though. If the Kings fall down by 25, these are the lessons they need to learn. This is where they need to break down, dissect, watch the film from today's game, and go, what did we do wrong? Where were we at fault? Not just what the Utah Jazz did to us. What were we doing? Where were the self-inflicted wounds on our part? How can we prevent this from happening again? Because if the Kings are down by 15 points in a playoff game, no matter the opponent, no matter home or away, I expect the Kings to have a chance to come back and win that game. In fact, I expect the Kings to be able to close that gap in a quarter. 25 points, while the Kings are capable of doing it, like we saw tonight, in the playoffs, I think you're signing your death warrant. 25 points might be too much in a playoff scenario with playoff basketball. Just my opinion. Again, someone speaking on uh, on playoffs when I have not covered a team in playoffs professionally, except for when I was covering uh, the Golden State Warriors in the playoffs last year for ABC 10. So 
I don't think it's that wild of a take to say if you're down by 25 points in the playoffs, you're in big trouble. I also don't think it's a wild take to say if that's only 20 points or 15 points, Sacramento is capable of coming back from that pretty quickly. But you don't want to have to rely on that. Let's look at the fourth quarter itself. Because after the Kings outscored uh, the, uh, the Jazz 76-55 to 55 in the second and third quarters, and we're going to dive a little bit more into individual performances during that time in a little bit. The fourth quarter, the Kings and Jazz were tied, I think, at 95. So it's, it's a clean slate. You can erase the bad first quarter for the Kings. You can erase the comeback for the Kings. At this point, slate is wiped clean. That context doesn't matter. Kings, Jazz, 12 minutes. Who's going to win? Well, you're looking at the fourth quarter. The Kings lost 33-25 to 25 in that quarter. They gave up 33 points. They only scored 25 points. If you want to break it down and just focus on that, the offense wasn't good enough. The defense was around expected. And offense not being good enough was kind of the MO of tonight for the Sacramento Kings. It really was. I know people are going to want to talk about officiating. I think officiating is the fan excuse tonight. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing because I made a comment on social media about DeMontis Sabonis not getting calls, right? Walker Kessler, I, I think, did a fantastic job, fantastic job on DeMontis Sabonis tonight. I think he's a really good player. Really excited about his future. I like what he's doing. Uh, and clearly the Utah Jazz like him. He was also getting away with a lot of contact against Sabonis. Sabonis is also, I mean, these are two big guys. Like, they're going to they're gonna crash and they're going to rough and tumble in the paint. That's just the way it is. There should have been some calls that DeMontis Sabonis got. And in reality, Sabonis is one of the best players in the NBA to not receive the foul calls that he deserves. Right? We're talking about an all-NBA player who gets hit in the head at least once a game. And a good majority of the time when he's hitting the head, there is no whistle. He was getting clearly frustrated tonight, almost picked up a technical foul at this point, or at one point. A lot of this was in the fourth quarter. So yes, the officiating could have been better. Let the fans talk about that. Let myself here on Locked on Kings talk about that. Let the media talk about that. That can't be an excuse or can't be a focus for the Sacramento Kings tonight. And from what I understand, the post-game press conferences that I saw, that's not an excuse. The Kings aren't focused on that. Because you can't blame the officiating in a game where you went down by 25 points on the road in the first half. You can't. And De'Aaron Fox said it best when he took the podium. We lost this game in the first quarter. He's absolutely right. Officiating had nothing to do with it. Now, when you look at that fourth quarter and you see the Kings only scored 25 points in the fourth quarter, maybe you go, okay, maybe the Kings should have been to the foul line a little bit more. Maybe they would have scored more if they had actually gotten the calls. I hear that. I understand that. This is where the context of that first quarter does matter. The Kings simply were not good enough offensively throughout this game. They had big moments. They had a great third quarter. But the Kings, we know, are a much better offensive team than one really, really good quarter. They lost this game in the first quarter, managed to revive themselves. And then when it came to winning time, they simply weren't good enough. They shot 34.6% from the field, 16.7% from three-point range, 83.3% from the foul line, going five of six from the foul line in just the fourth quarter. Credit to the Utah Jazz for winning this game at home. Credit to the Utah Jazz for holding on. It's a bad loss for the Sacramento Kings. Nothing really to honestly overreact to. Nothing that I'm overly upset about. But certainly something that the Sacramento Kings have to learn from. Today's episode of the Locked on Kings podcast, like I said at the top of the show, is brought to you by Price Picks. Now, to me, Price Picks is the number one way to play daily fantasy sports. Here's how it works. You pick two to five players 
and take the over or the under on the prize picks projection of how many points those players are going to score. And it's not just the biggest names. It's not just the De'Aaron Foxes or DeMontis Sabonis's. You could take it for Malik Monk. You could take it for, uh, you could even take it for like Kessler Edwards and Davion Mitchell if you, they, you want to. You pick two to five players. If you get it right, you can win up to 25 times your money on any entry. And check this out. It's just you versus the prize picks projections. You're not taking on any of those sharks out there who make a living take advantage of you just playing for fun and, and playing as a hobby. Uh, you can make entries in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. They offer safe and fast withdrawals. Currently operational in over 30 states and in Canada. And of course, they don't just have it for the NBA. They have it for the MLB. Uh, they have it for the NFL, college sports, uh, combat sports, esports, NASCAR, tennis, uh, Euro basketball, cricket, and more. So many uh, events that you can uh, enjoy and make some money with on Prize Picks. If you download the Prize Picks app or go to PrizePicks.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports today, first time users can receive 100% instant deposit match up to $100. So you deposit $100, you get $100 back. You deposit $50, you get $50 back. It's free money on Prize Picks that you can then use to go and make more money in order to cash in on that deal. Just make sure when you sign up to use our promo code LOCKED ON. That's all one word L O C K E D. Oh, and for a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 at Price Picks. I would be talking a lot more about this had the Sacramento Kings won the game, and I certainly would have been talking about it earlier on in the show. The context of the loss kind of undermines it a little bit, but we have to pay attention to what Keegan Murray did in tonight's Kings loss. 22 points, 6 of 14 from three-point range, 6 rebounds, and 1 steal. That was his, long, uh, his total stat line. Now, here's just his third quarter. 17 points, 5 of 7 from three-point range. He and De'Aaron Fox blitzed the Kings right back into this game from 16 down at half to tied going into the fourth quarter because the two of them combined for 33 points in the third quarter. And we truly got a showcase of how good Keegan Murray, Murray shooting is, right? It was catch and shoot. It was off the dribble. It was all over the floor. Wing threes, corner threes. Like, this is who Keegan Murray is, right? We know he can get hot. We know he's capable of torching from three-point range. The Kings have a lot of players like that. It's, him, it's Keegan. It's... Monk, it's Herter, it's Davis. Like, there's so many weapons on this Kings team. We saw the ball movement improve significantly from where it was at in the first half, and Keegan Murray was knocking down shots. Great to see from Keegan. And, and here's the conversation that we're going to have on a different podcast, either after a win or maybe on a non-game day. I really, truly believe that the Sacramento Kings have established their big three, and Keegan Murray is the third. I think their big three is established. I think Keegan Murray has shown... The ups and downs, right? The roller coaster of a season. A lot of guys on this team. Malik Monk has had a roller coaster of a season. Uh, Kevin Herter has had a roller coaster of a season. Peaks and valleys, right? Murray has hit some pretty big valleys. He's also peaked in some major ways, too. He's currently climbing back up to another peak now after recently working him, his way out of a valley. But once we find that consistency with Keegan Murray, he's going to be easily a top three player on this Kings team. Certainly one of the best players from this draft class. And that's saying something with how talented this draft class is. Keegan Murray is going to be so good, not just next year. I mean, well, maybe even next year, but in like three years, two years, two, three years, I, I think Keegan Murray is going to be phenomenal. I mean, he's already on track to set the, most, or set the record for most three-pointers made by a rookie. And it's not just his three-point game that's going to continue to improve. I think we're going to see Keegan improve as a defender, like he's shown over the course of the season. We're going to see him improve putting the ball on the floor, attacking the basket, getting more aggressive around the rim, improve as a rebounder. Like, there's still so much that Keegan can add to his game, and if he's this good now, it's very, very exciting for Kings fans going forward. Here's something of many things 
that I love about Mike Brown, something that Mike Brown is very consistent with. We've heard a lot about Brown's drill sergeant background, and we know he holds this team accountable, right? He's called them out publicly. He's called them out privately. He has those relationships with different players to where he can expect and demand from them, and they will respond to that. They will hear that. They won't just get angry and, and, and ignore uh, what Coach Brown is saying. They will really take that to heart and try and implement that into their game. We know already a, a lot about that, but something that Mike has done a handful of times this season, it's never a good thing when he has to do it, but he's consistent with it. If he is not getting the output from his players that he expects and that he needs, he'll sit them down. It doesn't matter who that player is. When you go back to what the Kings were doing in the first half, particularly in the first quarter, he couldn't get anybody, starters or normal bench rotation, to get going. So what did he do? He went to Matthew Della Vadova. He went to Keon Ellis. He looked for, I mean, he, some would say, man, you're just throwing stuff at the wall and seeing what sticks. I mean, I give him credit for that. Don't reward players with consistent playing time if they're not playing the way that you expect them to. Now, once the Kings kind of cleaned things up and got back into the, the, the swing of things, he went back to his normal rotation and leaned heavily on some of his top guys, the guys that are typically getting minutes in those spots. But if the Kings are not going to be ready to go out of the gate, if the Kings are not going to play their basketball out of the gate, if they're clearly not ready or not performing at the level that he expects, he is going to find someone that will. And there are guys on that Kings bench sitting at the end of the bench that are chomping at the bit to play, just like the Utah Jazz were, uh, have players that got the opportunity to play tonight and took advantage of it and beat one of the best teams in the NBA in the Sacramento Kings. So he knows that if Malik's not ready, and I'm not singling out Malik, I'm just using him as an example. Hell, if De'Aaron's not ready, if Davion Mitchell's not ready, if DeMontis Abonis isn't ready, Trey Lyles isn't ready, he's got guys that are there that'll step up and take that spot. And it's not just guys who are coming in and maybe they're off to slow starts offensively. They're not shooting the ball well. It's defense. It's hustle plays. It's moving the basketball. It's playing Sacramento Kings basketball. If you're not going to do it, sit down next to me. I'll find somebody who does. He follows through on that threat. That's why he has that respect. And I thought, even though it was very limited sample size and nothing was going right for the Kings at the time, I thought Keon Ellis actually had some really good moments in that first quarter. He uh, picked up uh, full-court defense a couple of times, forced the turnover. I thought Keon Ellis and, 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 and the Sacramento Kings players that normally don't play when they come in, they at least did something or they tried to do what Mike Brown expected of them. I think he had 12 players, Mike did, 12 players who played tonight. I like the consistency from Coach Brown. It's kind of strange to do this after a Kings loss, but it is time for our Nissan Most Electric Player of the Week, brought to you by the all-new All-Electric 2023 Nissan Aria. And this week, it's easy. It goes to the NBA Western Conference Player of the Week, Demonte Sabonis, who averaged a triple, double, and a block and a half per game last week. He uh, won it consecutive weeks, so second week in a row uh, that DeMontis Sabonis has won the award. He now has uh, three Western Conference Player of the Week awards this season. There are only four players that have won three or more. Giannis Antetokounmpo, Joel Embiid, Dame Lillard, and DeMontis Sabonis. That is elite, arguably MVP caliber company that DeMontis Sabonis is with, and DeMontis his game is so versatile. He plays in so many different ways, right? We see him as the facilitator who's constantly looking for his teammates. We know the Kings run the ball through him in the high post. He can score on the block, score in the low post, shows the physicality, has shown an ability to step out uh, and hit the three this season. He's fierce. He's electric. He's stunningly powerful, elegantly powerful at times, too, uh, with his footwork. Of course, the strength that he has in the paint. These are all things that also describe 
the 2023 Nissan Aria that packs pin to your seat power and premium intelligence all in one electric vehicle. The all new all electric 2023 Nissan Aria, the EV for people who love to drive. Shop now at NissanUSA.com. This episode of the Locked on Kings podcast is also brought to you by Built Bar. And since it's March, it's not just March Madness and college basketball. We have Built Bar Madness. The bracket is back and it is time for you to get the mint brownie bar, not just back to the final four, but to the championship round and give it the victory that it deserves. The mint brownie bar is the best bar that Bill has out there. But if you have your other favorite bars, you can go and vote on them right now. In my opinion, just if you have no opinion, if you have a bunch of different bars that you like, but you need to give your vote somewhere, just give it to the mint brownie bar and say you're doing it for Locked on Kings. Because if you vote, you will have an opportunity to win as you'll be entered into a drawing where 50 lucky Locked On listeners will get a free box of Built. And not only that, but one Locked On fan will, will win a 12-month subscription to Built to have Built's best bars, puffs, uh, or granola bars delivered monthly straight to your door. You have to try Built. Their marshmallow puffs are protein-infused marshmallows. Their Built bars uh, are covered in 100% chocolate. We're talking uh, only like... Uh, like five grams of sugar, up to 16 grams of protein. I mean, these things are so good for you, so delicious, and they they, uh, they satisfy that sweet tooth. You can order them on Built.com. Order whatever flavors that you want there. Give Mint Brownie a try. Make sure you vote for the Mint Brownie bar or whatever bar is your favorite in the Built Bar uh, March bracket. Or you can go to your local Sam's Club. Go to your local Walmart. Buy a box of Built Bars there and give them a try. You won't be disappointed. So now we look at Boston tomorrow. No excuses. You had a chance tonight, first night of a back-to-back, to win an extremely winnable game against a very short-handed team. You failed. Nobody's going to feel sorry for you with the Boston Celtics tomorrow. The expectation is the Celtics will win tomorrow. They've earned that. They're a championship-caliber team. Whether it's at home or on the road does not matter. Now, I expect the Sacramento Kings to play the Boston Celtics very, very tough, the same way the Kings played the Milwaukee Bucks very, very tough here in the Golden 1 Center recently. I expect it to be a close game. I expect it to be a fun and exciting game. And the one thing I do not want to hear at any point tomorrow night is second night of a back-to-back. Boo-hoo, Kings. Maybe they have tired legs. Blah, 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 blah. Even if those are legitimate things to point out, I don't want to hear about it. Again, nobody's going to feel sorry for you. You had an opportunity to secure a perfect road trip. Again, 3-1. and one, Still a very good road trip. So nothing that you're going to roll your eyes or, or turn your nose up at. But if we're talking about specifically second night of a back-to-back, Game one, you should have handled. You didn't. Game two, you now have to. I expect the Sacramento Kings response. I expect the Kings to look a lot better than now against Boston. That might not necessarily result in a win. But time will tell with that. But you have the Celtics coming up next, followed up by the Phoenix Suns. The Kings have not lost more than two straight games this year. They have not lost three straight games or more since, what was it, like December of 2022? The Kings have had a lot of success and done a good job responding and not letting things spiral out of control. But you have two games coming up here that could be really, really tough, even though they're on your home floor. Now, I'm hoping the Kings will figure it out quickly because I think all Sacramento Kings fans deserve for the Kings to actually clinch that playoff spot in front of their home crowd inside the Golden 1 Center. We're all rooting for that as the Kings will be home for their next four games, I believe. But it starts with Boston tomorrow night. Nobody's going to feel sorry for you. Just respond. You've done it all season. Phoenix is looming. You could respond, play well, and still lose. But give Kings fans some optimism and and, and get back on track going into that big game against the Phoenix Suns. 
As it turns out, the Kings, standings-wise, they're back in the third seed. They're a game behind the Memphis Grizzlies now and four and a half games back of the Denver Nuggets. Honestly, not even worried about that at this point. Respond, show that what happened tonight was a fluke, or at least make us believe that. Show that you can learn from it. Show that you respond from it. Show us that the second night of a back-to-back is not an excuse. If you want to truly be a championship-caliber team, you're going to have to find ways to beat teams that are as good as the Boston Celtics. And the Celtics might be the best team in the NBA. Show that you can beat them on your home floor, regardless of the circumstances or the scenarios. Hopefully Kevin Herter is available to go. Mike Brown said before today's game that had it been a playoff game, Kevin probably would have played, but there was no reason to rush him back. I agree with that decision. Maybe Kevin will play tomorrow night. Maybe he won't. Who cares? Be ready to go. I expect a response from the Kings team, and I'm looking forward to watching that in the Golden 1 Center tomorrow night. If you're going to that game, let me know. You can reach me on Twitter, at MattGeorgeSack. You can email me, MattGeorgeSports at gmail.com, or leave your thoughts in the YouTube comment section down below. I would love to have the opportunity to see you there, chat with you, talk to you, and hopefully we're, uh, we're watching and witnessing a nice, solid Kings bounce-back win. I'm hoping for a much more positive Locked on Kings podcast tomorrow night, but no matter what, win or lose, of course, off days, game days, We will have Locked on Kings podcast for you for the remainder of the season going into the playoffs. I can guarantee you that. So I appreciate your support as always. Thank you for tuning in. I know you uh, always show up, whether it's a Kings win, Kings loss. I never take that for granted. I appreciate that so much. Can't wait to have you join me on the next episode of Locked on Kings. Until then, my name is Matt George. You have been listening to the Locked on Kings podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network.